0: The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of MIA Equity and Equity New Zealand. Each year, the Equity Foundation delivers more than 100 masterclasses, workshops, film screenings, in-conversations, international scholarships and on-set internships, free of charge for Equity members. We give our thanks to our principal sponsor, Media Super. Hello. Kia ora, everyone. Welcome to this Equity Foundation livestream. Mary, are you on the waiting room and admitting people while I'm welcoming? So my name is Catherine McAlpine and I'm the New Zealand Program Manager at the Equity Foundation. And today I have great pleasure in introducing our special guest, Paige Walker, superstar American dialect coach. I'm dialing in from Tamaki Makaurau, Aotearoa, New Zealand, and before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Aora nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout your country and recognizing their continuing connection, land, waters and culture, and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. And this is also a particularly appropriate time to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund, and they can help you with all your superannuation needs and provide you with financial advice. They're fully equipped to assist you with building your superannuation. So please don't hesitate to contact them. And if you don't know how to contact them, get in touch with me, put a question in the chat, and I can give you the relevant details. Today, Paige is going to present to us for approximately 45 minutes, and then we'll have about 15 minutes at the end of Q&A. What I'm going to ask you to do today is to put all of your questions in the chat, and then Paige will keep an eye on it herself, and she will answer them as she goes along, and then at the end. And just to note, That we are recording today for our Equity Foundation podcast. So now that's enough from me. And I'm delighted to hand over to Paige.
1: Hello guys. How's everybody? My name is Paige Walker. It's so nice to meet everybody. Now I can't see to me. My little bit about sort of my background, so you kind of know what I'm all about here. I am a theater baby. So uh I went to a performing arts school from 13 to 18, graduated. Uh, My major, I went in actually as a voice major and then picked up music theater and theater along the way, and then went to college, got my bachelor of fine arts in theater, uh, minor in dance, and through that degree, two of the four years of that degree was a dialect and good speech course, so that's where my relationship began, and then I moved to New York and didn't focus too much on the accent work because I was there to be on Broadway, of course, as you do. But when I moved here to Australia in 2000, there was so much U.S. production happening at that point that I picked up the dialect work immediately. And I've been doing that ever since. So since then, I've worked privately doing classes and workshops and this and that. And then I started working with theaters in Sydney and on to bigger productions, Netflix series and movies and things like that. So my work kind of takes me all over the place in terms of how I like to work and what the accent that I like to start everybody off with because I believe it's your foundation accent is that West Coast sound or that California sound, which ironically is my accent. So I feel like because it's kind of the most, if there were to be a subtle American accent, this would be the one. There are specific draws or twangs to the general American accent. And that's why it's such a good one. It's the most used in film. So it's, if you set this as your foundation, then you're good to go. You can can then slant off to any of the more specific regional sounds. But if you go sort of hardcore Southern or hardcore New York or God forbid Boston, and then try to pull it back in, it's gonna be a little bit more challenging because those sounds are so specific. So yes, of accents. Great, okay, so major differences between accents. I'm going to reference today kind of the big differences between an Australian accent and an American accent. I don't know where everybody's from who's on today, so bear with me. I'm just going to kind of start with a comparison of those two. So a major component of the American accent is the drive of the accent, or it's the energy drive. So if you imagined that you could see the words coming out of your mouth, they're going straight out at your listener. So they're coming this way. So there's that whole you know, idea that Americans are very brash and in your face. And it is true, we are louder than most people on the planet, but I really believe it has a lot to do with that energy drive because we want to essentially get to the punctuation at the end of the sentence. You'll always hear an American's end of sentence, which is really important if the important things that you need to say are at the end of the sentence. Aliens, for example, they start very strong, and then about halfway through the sentence, the energy drops away. So it's like, la la, la, la la." But then you'll get this also kind of groovy-up inflection at the end of the sentence as well, which adds its own layering for the listener. So Americans tend to be and this is general statement, but we tend to be big statement makers. So lots of down or open inflection with us. Now, of course, that is character dependent for you guys to use as like a little tool just to know. because with that find with most Australians, there's that up inflection, which is kind of the the question or the endless list of things. That up can leave the listener with the sense that the speaker may be unsure or doesn't want to bother too much is sort of, you know, apologizing for. Americans, we'll never apologize for, we'll just say it, we'll just say it how it is. So that's kind of an interesting thing that you can then layer into your character work. You know, look at your person, go, okay, so this guy is the CEO of the company. He is not unsure of anything, absolutely never going to use a down inflection, or excuse me, an up inflection on him. He's going to be very big, fat statements. Whereas you have somebody, a high school student who's, you know, going through a really hard time, you can start to layer in some of those up inflections. And the subliminal messaging that you're sending out to your audience just by doing that lets us know a lot about who you are just with that one thing. I find that so interesting. Okay, so energy drive, inflections, major differences in, of the, the two accents. Then you start to look at the sounds of the accents. So vowels and consonants. So vowel, just for anybody who it's been a long time since you've been in school and you may not remember what a vowel is, vowels are A, E, I, O, U, and sometimes Y. A consonant is everything else. So the big differences are in the, in the vowel sounds. So again, coming back to that comparison between American and Australian. So the pathways and the shapes of our sound, we use really the whole mouth. So if, you're, if there was a ball sitting in the middle of your mouth, we're gonna use that, of that ball, including the roof of the mouth or the hard palate. So Australians don't really use the hard palate. You guys sit really more in the sort of tube in the middle. So everything is kind of here. We really ping all over the place. So, which means that our pathways are longer. And so then sometimes the time that you take needing to say those sounds is gonna be a little bit longer. Another major difference for us, obviously, is the R sound. We say it, you guys don't. Now, different coaches have different ideas about how to approach the R sound. And I find this quite fascinating. A lot of coaches really think you have to absolutely hit it super hard, kind of beat the shit out of it in the word. I don't feel that way because what you guys do with your tongue and what we do with ours is completely different. So you guys flip your tongue up to make the R sound, but Americans pull their tongue back in the mouth to make the R sound. So if you flip your tongue up to make a really hard R sound to get like, especially like in the middle of a word, then what you've done is essentially you've rolled all the sounds and you've chucked it into the back of your mouth and it's stuck between your back teeth. Then you have to unroll the tongue and get the rest of the sounds out. Way hard. Not only that, especially if you're working on the general American accent, you've made the sound way too hard for all the other general American sounds that are around it. So all of a sudden it's really disconnected. So we don't really want that. It just sounds whacked out. So my whole theory around the R is just a light tap. It's like a tap and a runaway. Tap, run away. Especially when you're dealing with an R in the middle or the end of a word. So those are gonna be your more complicated sounds to make. So another thing to look at around the R sound is your weak and strong syllables. That becomes a really big helper when you have especially multiple R sounds in a row. Look at your strong syllables, hit those really pull back on the on the weaker syllable so an example is weaker so weak is your strong syllable the er is your weak syllable weaker really look at your syllables it will absolutely make life so much easier for you especially again like i said if you have multiple r words in a row if you end up with really clunky language in a line or two or just even a phrase of words that your mouth just absolutely hates it's your language. It's your character. So find another way to put that together. Pull something out, Pause, give it a breath. Find a way because your brain will click over and will watch you disappear as you're like, "I hate this line. Do you know what I mean? It's n- it's not good. <laughs> so I call it the little guy who sits on your shoulder and tells you how much you suck. His name is Kevin. So we hate Kevin. And Kevin gets very, very loud around vocal work. Don't know why that is, but vocal work is an extremely vulnerable space to work from. So we wanna be really, really gentle with ourselves when we're doing voice work, anything like that. You're adding not only becoming a different character, but now you're becoming a different character who has a totally different accent to what you do. That can be pretty overwhelming. Give me your questions.
0: Yeah, this is a great point um, everybody, so put any questions in the chat.
1: Yes, so we were talking about uh, phrasing the words differently if it's a really clunky phrase for you. Don't be afraid to do that, it's your character, okay? A couple different things with some of these R sounds. There's something called an intrusive R. So an intrusive R is essentially putting an R in a word or phrase where there isn't one. So rule of thumb tends to be if you see an R say it. If you don't see an R, don't say it. Pretty simple. You think it's pretty simple, but they can be a little bit sneaky, these intrusive R's. Big one for Australians. Australians absolutely add that. I believe Kiwis do as well. So you'll tend to find that in a word that finishes with a vowel sound before a word that begins with a vowel sound. So it's kind of a way of linking those words together. An example would be the idea of it becomes the idea of it or like I saw it because I saw it, things like that. So again, we will not use that. Well, let me rephrase, General American will not use that. So everything I talk about today guys is really in reference to the General American students and there are rules and exceptions to the rules. So everything I say is really gonna be referenced to that General American sound. So remember, if you see an R, say it. If you do not see an R, don't say it. Two exceptions to that rule, the word surprise. You actually do not need to say that first R sound. You do not have to say surprise, just surprise. And you can also leave the first R out in particular or particularly. You don't have to say that. Some people do, some people say particular, but I find it's just easier to just take it out altogether. Okay, now this is an absolute dead giveaway that you are not American. The word bin. How have you been? I've been good, thanks. So spell bean, pronounced bin. It is the sneakiest word. You will not see it in your script as you're going through it. So make that when you score your script, which I absolutely recommend you do with every script that you get. Go through it, circle. Underline, do all the things, give yourself a little map. So as you're going through, you don't have to try to remember all the rules because it's so much information to try to remember. And then you still have to do all the character work. It's kind of becomes too much. So score your script 100% and look for bin first. I promise you, I promise you, you will not see it. Circle it, throw some glitter on it. Good, okay. And then in terms of other scoring, I would underline, all of your medial, so that's your middle, and final R sounds. Again, with those, because inevitably you'll leave some out and you won't know which ones or why, but you will leave some out. So it's just a way of making sure that you get them in there. Every now and again, if you drop an R, you can potentially get away with it depending on where it is in the phrase. For example, if I said, I'm going out for dinner tonight. So the four in that sentence becomes so weak that I can kind of pull that R off and get away with it. But if you start dropping them in bigger words, it becomes a bit more noticeable. And then your American listener might go like, hmm, you'll pull them out for a second. And the second you pull your audience's attention away from what you're saying and why you're saying it that way, you've disconnected with them or rather they've disconnected with you. And then that's no good because then you have to like get them back in. Now there's, an, so kind of continuing on with that weak word concept. So another difference between Australians and Americans. So we will really use our strong words and really throw away our weak words. And that is how we get our particular rhythm. See, there was particular. Australians will use your smaller words more. Now, an example of that and the sound that goes with it is I need to go out for a coffee. So for a uh, is weak, tough is weak. So I move through those. Need coffee is essentially what I'm trying to say. And all the other words I added in, all the little connective tissue words I added in are much weaker than the main focus of that sentence, which was need coffee. I need to go out for a coffee. Now the sound that I would use with some of those words, those weak words, would be what's called a schwa sound. S-C-H-W-A, schwa. It's the sound that you make when you say uh, like U-H. That is also the only sound that sits in your chest resonator. So you have different resonators of sound. You have your chest resonator, you have your mask, you have your nasal, you have your head voice. These are all resonators of sound. And the uh, sound the, the schwa the neutral is the only one that sits down in your chest so i really 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 want to use that sound guys can you write this down it's just a list for you to keep because this will be another thing that you want to add into your script so i call this my little list of shorties okay of what was because from wasn't to to and then the letter a So those are weak so often in sentences. And if you give those a much higher, taller vowel sound, like from, I'm from New York. All of a sudden, it's like you throw molasses all over the sentence and it gets this really weird jolty rhythm rather than I'm from New York. So obviously, context of sentence plays a huge part. So that's the first thing to look at. So you need to know what you're talking about look for those look for those little weak words as you go and potentially put a little slash through them so that would be your scoring for that just so you know that you don't have to hit them you can just glide through them and that will give you so much ease around the language as well it'll be so much easier to get it out of the mouth so i mentioned earlier that the placement plays a huge part in the american accent so i am a huge believer in keeping your own natural tonal sound and just changing the vowels. You're shifting the placement of the sounds or the pathways of the sounds. If it's a character choice, go to town. Absolutely go to town. But some people will add a voice to an accent and then you get this kind of affected sound. It's not, it's not authentic. So Try to stay in your own natural tonal sound when you're doing any any accent. It's you, just with different vowel sounds. Essentially, it's kind of how you want to think about it. Now, having said that, I love to do what's called a vocal image. What you can do is also write this down. You can write down for your voice today, because tomorrow it may feel a bit different. Write down image, color, weight, and texture. And then fill in Something for each one of those about your voice and what it makes you think of today. And there's absolutely no wrong answer. So, whatever thing just kind of flees across your mind, grab it. There's a reason that you think that. And by it can be absolutely anything. I've literally had somebody tell me that their voice sounded like it was a purple mushroom with green spots. And then somebody told me that their voice was heavy, like heat in a room. And then I always described when I first started doing this as an exercise. I described my voice as a cactus needle. And then I kept saying it and then I went, why am I, why, why did I think cactus needle? Like how bizarre and how totally random. And then I started to think about it. And I was like, well, actually, I suppose if you took a cactus needle, depending on which way you turn it, if it was long, it would be smooth. But if you turned it the other way, it's really sharp and pointy. And I was like, well, actually, that's probably exactly what my voice is, you know, depending on the moment, that would be a, a really a great description for my voice. So write all these things down. So image, color, try to get quite specific with the color. Don't just say blue. Like is it navy blue, is it royal blue, is it electric blue, is it baby blue? You know, there's a reason. With weight, it's not my voice weighs 17 kilos. It's if you could hold your voice in your hand and you threw it into the air, what would happen to it? Does it come crashing back to earth like a bowling ball? Does it have some weight to it like a a tennis ball or a baseball or something? Does it float down like a feather? Is it a bubble that floats away? That kind of thing. And then with, with texture, it, it's just what does it feel like when you touch it? Is it grainy? Is it muddy? Is it clay that's like you know, moldable? Is it fluid like water, that kind of stuff? Like you really want to build this complete vocal image. Reason being, most people don't really have a lot of um, relationship with their voice, unfortunately outside of, I really hate my voice. And as actors, you kind of have your vocal self and your physical self to offer. So if you hate 50% of that, that sucks. So it's kind of a way to go, actually, my voice is pretty cool. And not only that, your voice is not your character's voice because you are not your character. So then you wanna build a vocal image for your character. So then you can see where the crossover is and specifically where the differences are. So I always say like, if I thought that my voice was a butterfly, but the character that I'm playing is an evil. I'm like, okay, right. So that person approaches language in a whole different way than I do. So let me look at that. So you're you're really kind of getting into that character from the inside out which is a really cool way to work. And don't be alarmed again, like I said, your vocal image today may be different than your vocal image tomorrow. Tomorrow you may wake up feeling completely different. And then if you want to, you can build that around even your American accent because some people feel false when they do accent work. They feel like they're really putting something on and they just don't feel connected to it, which makes sense because it's not yours. So find a way, find a way to make it yours. Tap into that and and again, find that link to you. So Americans, big fat statement makers, big energy drivers. We also use our, our, our articulators way more than Australians do. So you have movable and immovable articulators. Our movable articulators are lips, tongue, jaw, all that is much more active than Australians, for example. So we will really, and that activity that you get in those articulators then gives you that activity through the language as well. So you'll get a lot of this, a lot of that movement, a lot of this kind of, you know, through the sentences. And it's not just because we are overly expressive people. It's because we have that that real movement in the mouth, in the face while we're talking. So don't be alarmed if you feel that you have to do that. And also don't be alarmed if opening your mouth a bit wider and or a lot wider than you guys do as Australians. So there are some sounds like the all sound, if I wanted to say always or talk or stop. So those sounds are tall sounds for me. You've got to have a chin drop on those. You've got to have that space or the sound can't travel up to the roof of the mouth or back to the jawbone where it needs to go. So don't feel silly, you don't look stupid. I know it's, it's like hugely confronting for you guys to open your mouth, but it's okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's totally okay great doing good in time another thing that you may find when you start to do the Australian accent uh, excuse me the American accent is that you may tend to go southern or New York first that is a pretty logical leap because those are very much caricature accents or caricature sounds so they're easier to tap into with the southern especially it's Makes a lot of sense for you guys because those vowel sounds are tipped over, they're longer. It's either no R or really hard R. So it kind of makes sense to do that. So it's essentially just learning to hear that tipped over sound and tip it right upright. That's all you really need to do on that. Record yourself. Record yourself and listen back as you're working on your accent stuff. It takes a minute for the ear to start to recognize you doing all of that kind of Work and it, your ear is going to try to mess with you and tell you that you sound ridiculous and that's not right, and tilt it back into something that it knows. So that's why you really got to get used to hearing you speaking differently. I know it's hard. People hate to listen to themselves, and it is hard because you know you've got. We all sort of record ourselves on our phones and it sounds like shit and rah rah. rah. You know we're not all set up with like brilliant microphones where we sound absolutely amazing. But it's really 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 good to be able to as objectively as possible, listen back to yourself. Plus, the better that you get at it, you're going to start to hear your own mistakes, which is hugely important. So there are a couple rules that I'm going to run you guys through pretty quickly here. Okay, so we've got the bin rule. Number one, 100%, you will be non-American if you say bean. Absolutely. Like you can drop an R, like I said before, and you can kind of pretend you're from you know, New York or Massachusetts or something like that, and you can sort of get away with it. But if you start saying, I've been this and I've been that, dead giveaway. So we will only say bean if we're going to eat it. That's the only time we're going to say bean. Mark it in your scripts. Okay, so you've got your bin, you've got your shorties, you've got your energy drive, you've got your inflection. Now, there's you've got your intrusive R. So there's also something called a liquid U. So a liquid U makes words really beautiful and chewy and Shakespearean sounding. Now, we use the liquid U behind certain letters, but not others. So a liquid U would make, um, for example, new. I knew that. New. I knew that. Okay, so check these letters out. So T, so we would say Tuesday. So everything becomes a double O. So rather than Tuesday. D, so my assignment is due on Tuesday. Rather than my assignment is due on Tuesday. S, so rather than stupid, it's just stupid. Good, N or KN. So now I come back to that, I knew that was a new coat, new, new, probably the ones, so go through kind of a whole list of those, start writing down anything that you can think of that would have that letter combination and just run through it and see which one makes the most sense to your brain. There tends to be one over another that trips you up, but I do find that the new, N-E-W, is one that is harder to remember people tend to like forget that and say new. And again, we we just would not say that. Now couple, uh, well, definitely one exception to that rule is educate. So we so there's a D with a U behind it, but we would say edu, educate versus educate or edu. So there's always an exception to the rule, except for bin. Bin has no exception to the rule, it's always bin. Okay, I'm so excited to see if you guys have a million questions for me. I'm just like bulleting information at you. All righty, another little thing that will help you just in terms of rhythm and function is the T to Ds rule. If you have solo or double Ts in the middle of a word, if those T sounds come before a collection of letters, they change to a D. Now you guys naturally do this in some words, but not all words. So I'm just gonna kind of run through what those are for you. It does help again with that sort of flow of language because aspirated T sounds, when you get the little crisp at the end of a T, it's a great sound, I love it. It's very sharp though, it's very final. So that's where you get that little stop. And we don't wanna have that, we wanna have this this flow. And the D sounds, while they're very structural and important in words, and you wanna make sure that we hear those, they're softer than an aspirated T sound, if that makes sense. Okay, so these are the letters or combinations of letters that you will find a T to D. L, write these words down. Kettle, metal, an E-R, hotter, an E-D, seated, an ing, beating, uh, what else, a y, city, beauty, anytime you have a double or solo t in a word that comes before any of those letters, it will change to a, t, to a d sound. Conversely, if you have those solo or double t sounds in the middle of a word and those fall before an n, the T sound goes away and it becomes a glottal sound. Now a glottal is when your vocal cords slam together and it gets this absence of a sound and that absence of a sound represents the T sound in this case. For example, button, cotton, mountain. So there's no T at all. And in fact, there's no sound. Mount, mountain, button. Try not to hit that glottal. Don't make a big deal out of it. If you start to make a big deal out of it, it heads it more into like that cockney thing. So it's a soft explosion, if that makes sense. It's kind of a weird way to describe it. But again, it will, so like we would never say button. We would never change the Ds on that. And you guys do that here in Australia specifically, button. I'm really, really big on figuring out the pathways and the shapes of the sounds for you guys. Because I feel like as creatives, we're so visual anyway. So if you can start to build, you know, if you can even draw the pathway of the sentence, it makes a huge difference and use those shapes, use those images with the sounds as well. It's so helpful. It really is. Yeah, kind of like use what your strengths are. We're visual, we're creative. Try to, I mean, look, if you are a very logical thinker and you even want to do phonetics, Absolutely brilliant. Phonetics are amazing. They're a great tool to use when learning accents. But I find that when I start talking phonetics to a lot of people, it's like the Charlie Brown voice. They just hear like (laughs) or they hear no words anymore. That's kind of how I started coming up with all of this, this imagery for things. Again, I I come back to really finding that space of difference between your voice and your character's voice. Because again, they are not you. It's like if you give your character a limp and you don't have one, you know what I mean? It's so hugely important. You'll really start to crawl inside the life of your character, I think, kind of by doing that, which is amazing. Call call inside their skin a bit. I feel like there are a couple of people I was writing down, like people that I admire in their voice work. And you have your absolute obvious, you know, Meryl, Kate Blanchett, Kate Winslet, you know, the just extraordinary voices, obviously you can tell people who have trained and people who haven't trained. And the, the great thing about you guys, because you are working on the American accent, you are automatically working on your voice. So that's fabulous. You have one up on Americans already because you are being forced to work your voice, which is so, so, so good. A trained voice is a massive difference to an untrained voice. Rose Byrne, amazing. Amazing American accent, she's fabulous. Love her. Uh, Diane Lane is another, just a beautiful vocalist, Gorgeous, Bradley Cooper, I'm in love with Bradley Cooper. Um, If you have not seen, just as a segue, if you have not seen his Elephant Man, it was a while ago now on Broadway, but if you can find a snip of his Elephant Man, please watch it, it's extraordinary. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, incredible. Uh, And then people like Edward Morton, Billy Crudup, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman Philip Seymour Hoffman it was uh, so much yep that was devastating and still is honestly but the way he approached his his characters like you can see how much time and thought and consideration from every single angle went into his characters he left no stone unturned and so as a way to work I would follow his his shoes you know he's just extraordinary and so then it made, each one's so unique and so interesting. Whereas if you look at somebody like Jack Nicholson, you're like, yeah, great. Once upon a time, extraordinary. Someone told him once upon a time he was king shit and he stayed in that exact style of acting. So now, God love him. You, you don't actually have to go see his movies anymore because it's just him doing different words in a different titled film. And it's, it's frustrating. I find that frustrating to watch. Because I'm like, something else, man, something else, anything. Surprise me, but he never does. It's exactly the same. It's the same patterning. It's the same rhythm. It's the same tonal pitch quality. Do you know what I mean? Ugh, drives me crazy. Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> so, you know, find those actors that you admire and, and watch them and like really dissect what they're doing. Start to try to look at them more objectively and see how it is that, that you find that they work. You know, see what works for you. Does any of that work for you? Can you borrow any of that? Sound becomes a very interesting thing I find. And a lot of people don't really recognize how much power sound has. I was working years ago now on The Testament of Mary at Sydney Theatre Company. It was this incredible one woman show about Jesus's mother. And um, she had this, this one particular monologue And it had all these really hard K sounds through the monologue. And I remember saying to her, I was like, God, Allison, it's like, every time you talk, I'm hearing like cell doors slamming shut. That's the image that I got when she was speaking. And then I started to get really excited. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the power that sound has. You know, you can make your listener very uncomfortable by the sounds that you use and or the way that you use them. You also have that opportunity to make someone feel very at ease with the way that you speak the phrasing that you use. So we will also, speaking of that phrasing, Americans will ride that breath. We ride the breath almost to the end of the sentence if we can, if it's possible, which is not to say that we sing song. So we don't connect every single word so it all becomes this one long tune, but we'll ride the breath. So have a think about that. Um, You might find that you give away too much breath when you start to do the American accent. You start to really exhale as you're using you know, there's different sounds. And that could just be because you're not quite used to it yet. Totally fine. Eventually you wanna get to really riding that breath all the way through. Another thing that Aussies do um, in particular, you guys have a really vocal initial H, especially on the word here. So I get a lot of here, here. It's like static first. And then you say the rest of the word, which if you start to think about like a boom, or you know, if you're on a microphone and it's like right there by your mouth, that is gonna hate that. It's gonna be so noisy. So try to cut that static bit out and just say the word here, here, here. You hear that? It's huge difference. Yeah, it's massive difference. Good, all right. It is 12.45, so I would love to tap over and see questions now, My tips on how New Zealand Australia can make the right tongue movement for the arson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question is um, from from Kirsty about how to do that arson. Can you guys can you all see me? I hope you can, because yes, I can't can. see anybody. We can see um it. so again, with the flick of the tongue up that Australian and New Zealand do, imagine that you're just gonna do the tongue tip, just the tongue tip, not curling the entire tongue up. So Light tap, run away, and you can only do that by just a little bitty, ta- a little bitty curl of that tongue. Hopefully, that's clear. Would there be monologue available anywhere that would compass most of the basic rules and start it? Mm-hmm. Good question, David. I'm going to have to think about that one. Let's see. There is a good one, but it's slipping my mind. To the mo. Let me think about that one. I will come back to you ASAP. Okay. So for Sirani. I hope I'm saying that right. Please, uh, if I'm saying that wrong, I apologize. If you can please tell me how to say, I can't let you in. Okay, good question. So how you say it is, I can't let you in. So you've got a few things going on there. So a big one for us, can and can't is the same vowel sound. So we don't have that can and can't or can and the other word that I can't say because it sounds like a naughty word. I literally cannot say can't the <laughs> way you guys do. Every time I do it, I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean to go, <laughs> sorry. So yes, same vowel sound for us, which then means that I need to hear that glottal explosion at the end of can't, can't, I can't let you in. So glottal explosion there. Um, ooh, great question, Jackie. What about the word Mrs.? I find that whole thing about misses very odd because obviously when you spell it out, it is not spelled M R S. That's an abbreviation for that word. So no, you would not use it there, just misses. What is this vowel used for? Words like skull, dull, hole, et cetera. Great, Trudy, amazing. So that's heading into your schwa sound, skull, uh, skull. It's down and then the L's are added in. L sounds are an interesting sound because we'll use them a bit more than you guys will in words like old, hold told, they become quite dark or heavy. It's almost like you're pushing that L sound over. So it can be a bit heavy. Dull, skull, hull. Do you hear that? duh skuh. That's all your chest resonator schwa sound. So, uh, Sarani, on the can't, it depends on where it falls in the sentence. So if can't is by itself, I want to go out later, I can't, then you're going to hear that T sound. But with what you wrote, you wouldn't hear it. I can't let you in. You get your little glottal explosion there for the T. I can't let you in. So a little bit of a thing with these T's being now the final sound. So this is a whole like kind of separate thing here. I'll do super quickly for you guys. A T that finishes a word before a vowel sound in the next word becomes a D sound. And it's kind of a way of linking it. So let's, if I said, um, at Anna, at Anna, I wouldn't say at Anna. I would say adana, adana. But then if I have a T sound that finishes a word before a word that begins with a consonant, so like wait for, wait for me, wait for me. It's the glottal. So Sarani, that's what you get there with the I can't let you in. Keel. Cool. So would you recommend, uh, 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 where'd that go? Just straight up accent training over basic voice. David, good question. Uh, so the question was, would you recommend just straight up accent training over basic voice training first? No, I think voice training is hugely important because then you really get the knowledge of the instrument and the knowledge of that instrument is going to help you that much more when you start to do the accent work. You'll be working the voice, obviously, doing the accent work, but if you don't understand the instrument, then it's kind of, it's not as, it, it's not as, as valuable as it could be, if that makes sense. Uh, okay, and how do you say let, because at times, oh, yep, mm-hmm. So, sorry, is that, are you linking let to something? It, again, it kind of depends on what it falls can in I front of or what I comes sing? after it. So if I said, yeah, so let, let you in. Uh-huh, gotcha. You can say let you in. It depends on your character and it depends on context. So, for example, if I'm playing just a, a really just run of the bill, middle-aged, middle-income person, um, I can't let you in to the house. I'm sorry, my husband isn't home. You could say let you, and that would be fine because it's a it's a fairly relaxed context. However, if I am giving my closing argument, I'm a lawyer, I probably wouldn't say let you. I would probably say let you. However, it depends on, so again, going back to context, it depends on if I'm trying to get the jury on my side and make them feel comfortable and more familiar, I might say, let you. So we could be friends. Or I might keep them at a distance and say, let you. So see, it's it's quite interesting. That one little thing offers a familiarity. Uh, come on, you know, come on in. Or puts up a boundary between you and, you, and your listener. That's kind of what, what I mean about how the sounds are used and how you can make somebody feel comfortable or uncomfortable just by that so cool i love it sound is fascinating don't ever think it's not it's so 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 interesting good matthew i always get tripped on, on particularly it's because it's a shitty word it's hard to say so pa tick you particularly so you're gonna so weak first syllable strong second everything else pretty much the same behind it particularly particularly. It's all about tick. And some combinations of letters, R-L, R-L-D, is not so fun. Not so fun. So take your time around that link of letters. If you have to say world, girlfriend, R-L-F, forget about it. People have conniption fits over that word, girlfriend. So when you have words like that, start to break it up into syllables. Work one syllable until your tongue understands it then start to add in the next and do it slowly. The faster you guys try to go with this stuff and try to like kind of bullet through because you suck at that bit. So you're like, I'll just be really quick. It's gonna be so hard for you. So take your time, slow and steady wins the race on this. Absolutely slow and steady wins the race. Do not try to go too fast. Good American actors to watch her color. Well, I love Hallie. I think she's amazing. I love her work. I think she's incredibly brave in her work. You know who else I think is incredibly brave uh, in his work is, is um, Will Smith. I know it, because he plays such a huge range of characters. He does such a huge range of work, and each one is so different. So I come really back to that. He works from the inside out. You never see the same person twice when you watch his work, which I really, really value. So those are kind of two two examples. People that I really, really, really buy. There's so many. God, yeah, so many, but absolutely those two for sure. Isabel, I've noticed job is mm -hmm, said really different. Absolutely. So that ah sound is the A-H sound for us. And it travels from mouth or lips all the way back to the ball and socket joint of the jaw. Job, job. Now, what you don't want to get is this out in the earlobes kind of sound. Jab, where it's like flat. It's like you've thrown a plate against a wall flat. We don't want that. So really think here to here, job, job. So there's no real pull in the lips. You don't need any smile there, jab. Your smile in the lips totally changes that sound. Aussies tend to sit down here, job, not got, sits forward. So we're going backwards on that. Good, Sally, obviously, same sound as, the, as in job obviously. Depending on context, you can say obviously. If you're emphasizing it for any reason, you can put all of the sounds in. If you're just racing through it, that first B sound can actually go away. Obviously. A little bit of an eye roll. Obviously. Good. Such a mouthful. Yes, it is. A huge mouthful of syllables, Matthew. So right. Graham. I'm told to pronounce my name. Yes. How do do you pronounce your name with the H? Graham? because we would absolutely say Graham. Yeah, perfect, yeah, yep, shorten it. I'm so sorry, we do change people's names. For instance, Tanya, Natasha, Bianca. We will totally change that if those are your names. We, we wouldn't go to Natasha, Tanya, Bianca. Like we would, it would. it would never occur to us to say those names that way. So if we do say your name incorrectly, I apologize. So yes, Graham, and also um, uh, Talia. Is that how you say your name, Talia? Megan, Megan. Yes, Megan, Megan, Megan. (laughs) It depends on how they pronounce their name because we do have both. We have a Megan and we have Megan. So it kind of, it's like Tara Tara or Kara Kara. You know, the person would have to, I think you kind of need to know how they pronounce it. If you get those names in a script, I would go with Megan. I would go with Tara and I would go with Kara. Isaac versus Isaac. We would never say Isaac and Graham. Um, blah, 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 blah. Hey, Paige, would this apply to jaw as well? Yes, jaw, ah. So that sound is your straight up out of the top of the head sound. Chin drop, ah. Sound goes straight up. That sound really sits right. It's, it's, it's completely straight up. Aussies will fold over on that sound, Oh, So unfold that sound, ah. Got to have a chin drop on that one, or the pathway isn't going to be high enough for you. So you really want to feel that literally shooting up out of the top of the head. Graham, yes, when you slate, absolutely say Graham. If it's, it's if it's for American stuff, one hundred percent, Graham. Yeah, definitely. I can never the same one, right. Uh, Gemma, yeah, Gemma. Interesting. What's why does that why is that hard for you? What like what feels difficult for you when you say that, Gemma?
0: You can take yourself off, mute, the, Gemma
1: the a feels difficult so that final a sound is your schwa sound also thank Do you, you. Know yeah i always just screw up the i can't a totally so hear your, darling so if i'm too. not responding that's why i can hear that you're talking but i can't hear what you're saying yeah so guys i know it was an awful lot today and i was really just throwing so much information at you but hopefully that has given you at least a little bit of a structure to work in when you get an american script come back to scoring the absolute crap out of it, please do that. It will help you so much. It can be overwhelming to try to remember everything at once. So give yourself a little map, no drama and take your time. Okay. Guys, you were so great. Thank you so much. I've absolutely loved working with you today. Um, if you've got any questions, chuck me an email, message, whatever, and I look forward to chatting. Thanks y'all.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Brought to you by our principal sponsor, Media Super and the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work we do, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Equity Foundation Australia on Facebook and Instagram.